What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. Here with another recap episode. Here recapping another win. Another win. So, to give you a timestamp as I do for every episode, it is about 11 15 p.m. on Sunday, October 30th, the night before Halloween. And it was spooky hours for the Indianapolis Colts. Because as I said, we are recapping another victory. Washington defeats the Indianapolis Colts 17-16 in crunch time, in clutch time. Um, And, you know, we'll get to it. We'll get to the recap episode. But if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure. Be sure to like. Be sure to comment. Be sure to subscribe. Like I've said in each of the last couple of episodes, I'm seeing the interaction on YouTube. Keep rising, and let's get to 1,000 subscribers, guys. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the end of the season. I can't do that without you guys. I cannot do that without you guys. So like I said, if you're checking this out on YouTube, please be sure to like. Please be sure to comment. Please be sure to subscribe. Let's finesse these algorithms, as I say always, so that whenever you're looking for anything Washington Commanders, Bleeding BNG is the number one content hub that's coming up on that search. So that's how you finesse those algorithms over there on YouTube. But as I said, man, enough of that. Let's get to this recap because that, that was an amazing game. That was an amazing game to say the least. Um, pretty boring game. Pretty boring game. So let me, let me reword my phrasing. That was an amazing finish to a... Uh, a somewhat otherwise very boring game. Um, but to recap, um, as we always do, we're going to start with the quarterback play for Taylor Heineke. He went 23 for 31 for one touchdown, one interception. He also had 29 rushing yards for um, a one rushing touchdown that came on the quarterback sneak, the game-winning quarterback sneak that came with about 20 seconds left. And, hey, it wasn't pretty. A lot of Taylor Heineke starts aren't going to be pretty. A lot of Taylor Heineke starts haven't been pretty. But hey, Taylor Heineke is nine and eight as a career starter, as a, as a starter in his career at Washington. That's and, and and I know that's the definition of mid. You know, it's a little bit above five hundred. But hey, you know, as long as I've known, being a fan over what twenty years, hey, we we we're we're running on this treadmill of mediocrity, right? So I mean, to get somebody that's nine and eight, that's that's. Since what, the, the, the Dan Snyder era, that's one of the highest quarterback win percentages that we've had. So that tells you more about our franchise, but that also tells you something about Taylor Heineke, man. This dude has the moxie, man. This dude has the moxie because, like I said, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. Um, he had an interception where, yeah, I know his arm was hit, but it looked like he was throwing in the vicinity of about four Indianapolis Colts in the first place. If it wasn't like the guy that actually caught the interception wasn't going to catch it, somebody from the Indianapolis Colts was bound to catch that ball. That was a horrible read. And like I said, he was shaky in the first half. He seemed a little bit skittish in the pocket, moving off his spot when I didn't necessarily feel like he needed to and things like that. But he was never playing too far behind the stick, something that became a staple of our offense with Carson Wentz out the helm. Um, while he wasn't, you know, moving the ball or anything, he wasn't putting us in dire field position. He wasn't allowing our guy like Tress Way, who's been balling out all season. I think he even had, what, he had a 49-yard um, 49 gross average pump um, for, um, you know, a 49-yard gross average on his kicks today. Um, and I think that was really well. Um, and that's something that Tress Way has just been doing all season. And with a, with a play like Taylor Heineke, who hasn't really been giving you too many mistakes, like I said, I know that that interception, that interception was very costly. And I'll be remiss 
I thought that that interception, uh, I, I thought you could have put a fork in us at that point. Thought you could have put a fork in us because we weren't necessarily moving the ball and we were about to ultimately go down by two scores after that interception. So as I, as I, hey, hey, I'm scoring. I'll be the first to admit it. I'm scoring. As a Washington commander, Washington Redskins, Washington football team fan, can you blame me? Can you blame me? I'm, I'm scoring. So as I said, when Taylor threw that pick, I was like, man, it's over. It's over. Let's talk it up. Sam Howell time because he didn't really show anything up until that point. He did, and the, he has the stats to prove it. Taylor Heineke had more passing yards on his last two drives than he did in any other or the accumulation of any other drive before those last two. So that tells me a couple things. That tells me a couple things that I knew already about Taylor. The first thing that it told me was Taylor didn't play a great first half, similar to the Green Bay Packers game last week. So I don't know if you want to attribute it to Rust, and I don't know if this is what we just come to expect with Taylor. Because it's not necessarily a trend that is following from um, last season, or it's not necessarily a trend that has showed its head last season. I don't remember him having these super, super, super sluggish starts. Like last week, he didn't complete a pass in the first half, in the first quarter, excuse me. And then this week, he started out pretty well. Started out pretty well, found Antonio Gibson and things like that. But then it was like in the second half, we just hit a, a speed bump. We just hit a stalemate. But we couldn't get anything going for a while throughout the second and third quarter. But it's like, that was one thing. That was one thing that, that I learned today. Well, that I already knew. Was that, hey, man, we coming out slow. But the second thing, hey, Taylor got the moxie to bring us back in the game. Taylor Heineke has the moxie, man. We've been trying to determine what's the if factor that Taylor has. The moxie. The moxie is the if factor that Taylor has, man. You see him on that last drive, dancing around in the pocket. Making plays that Carson Wentz can only dream of at this ripe old age of 29. And I know that doesn't seem old, but like I told you in last week's episode, Carson Wentz is the oldest 29-year-old I've ever seen in my life. So when you see a guy like Taylor Heineke out there moving around, extending plays, extending plays, looking for his best receiver, looking for his playmakers, not freezing out his number one receiver for entire halves, something that was becoming a staple of a Carson Wentz offense. It's refreshing to see. It's refreshing to see because in my mind, as a Washington Commander fan, even though I'm talking about how scorned I am, with Taylor Heineke, man, you never can count yourself out of a game. You never can count yourself out of the game unless it's, you know, Dallas, COVID, Christmas last year. But we won't touch too much into that. We won't touch too much into that. But like I said, man, Taylor Heineke shows up in the biggest moments. And another guy that shows up in the biggest moments, like I told you last week, that grown-ass man, that grown-ass man, the hometown hero, Terry McLaurin, six receptions, 113 yards, and the biggest play of the game in his return to his hometown in Indianapolis. Dunking on Stephon Gilmore. Dunk, putting his nuts on that man's head. He dunked on that man in, in the literal sense. He got mossed. He got dunked on any way you want to put it. He got bullied for the ball. Terry McLaurin is the best receiver since Art Monk for this franchise. I've said it. 
Sorry, Santana, I love you. Everybody else, not really too many receivers that can really hold that acclaim. But at this moment, I think that Terry McLaurin is the best receiver this franchise has seen this side of our month. Because, yes, he did have a slow start to the, slow start to the season. But once you paired him with his boy, Taylor Heineke, he's hit the ground running. He's hit the ground running because he know he has a guy that's going to look for him. And he's showing up in the biggest moments. Like I told you last week, he wasn't running in the slot like some of these top five receivers do. <coughs> Justin Jefferson, <coughs> Cooper Cup. He wasn't running away from Jaya Alexander in the slot. And he was doing the same thing to Stephon Gilmore. Now, some of you guys may say, oh, man, Stephon Gilmore might have lost his throw. He's washed up. He fell off and things like that. Man, Stephon Gilmore is still one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. They was just hyping up Stephon Gilmore after the game he had in the Denver Broncos against the Denver Broncos on Thursday night a couple weeks ago. So I want to hear about how washed he is because Terry McLaurin abused that ass all game. Is Stephon Gilmore really washed or are you not trying to give Terry McLaurin the credit he deserves? Something that I'm used to you guys doing over um, or giving us um, as Washington Commander fans. You know, we really, you know, get the short end of the stick on a lot of things. And like I said while I was watching the game, Terry McLaurin, the passion, I've never seen Terry this animated. I said the same thing last week. He was even more animated this week. And I don't know if it has to do with him being home. But like I said, Terry McLaurin, man, he saw that top 100 list. He tired of being snubbed for that top 100. That top 100 campaign started last week. Jair Alexander had the first audition. Six receptions for 113 yards coming up in the biggest moments. What more can you ask for from your franchise receiver that you just paid? And I love what Coach Rivera said in the in the um, in the press uh, in the post game press conference when he was asked if he was expecting Terry to make these plays once he got paid. He's like Terry's making these plays before, and he was, and he was. Terry McLaurin is not that big of a receiver, guys. He's about 5'11", 210 pounds, six feet, two hundred ten pounds. And he attacks the ball like he, like I said, like he's Randy Moss. 50-50 balls aren't really 50-50 balls with him. If you go look at the still shot, Stephon Gilmore and Terry McLaurin both had both hands on the ball when that ball was in the air after it was delivered from Taylor Heineke. Only one person came down with that ball, and we know who it was. We were just being festive. We were just being festive, getting in the Halloween spirit, getting my man Scary Terry involved. Because like I said, it was spooky hours for Stephon Gilmore this Sunday. Spooky hours. Spooky hours. And I plan on, on that being the case for every DB that comes across Terry McLaurin's path this for the rest of the season, as long as Taylor Heineke's at the helm. Because you know he's going to give him the chance, something that Carson Wentz wasn't doing. You know he's going to give him the chance. At the very least. Let's touch on this run game. Because I thought that there were some other playmakers. That might have got overshadowed by Terry McLaurin's play. Um, Terry McLaurin's um, big playability and things like that. But there were some playmakers that were essential to this offense today. 
Curtis Samuel had 29 yards rushing. He was actually our leading rusher on the team to go along with three receptions and 50 yards. With two big, two huge first down conversion catches in the fourth quarter. He's proven to be everything that we thought he was going to be. A Swiss Army knife. If you thought when we resigned in Curtis Samuel, if you thought he was going to come be this 1,200-yard receiver, you were fooling yourself. You were fooling yourself. This is a guy that we're going to give some running back touches to, some wide receiver touches to. He may see some special team touches at some point. But he's doing exactly what we need him to do. He's a chain mover. He's a chain mover. One of the few that we have on this offense. I thought that we had another one, but I'm not so sure at this point, and I'll talk on that a little bit later. Brian Robinson had eight carries for 20 yards. The Indianapolis Coast defense is stout, man. It wasn't like Scott stayed away from the runs. Antonio Gibson had seven, uh, seven rushes for 19 yards, but then he also had seven receptions for 58 yards and one touchdown. What did I tell you guys last week? Good things happen when you find creative ways to get the ball to Antonio Gibson in space. At this point, he's the second best player in your offense. You need to find a ways to get him the ball in space. He's a hard tackle at 6'2", 230 pounds. He's looking like he's getting close to that 4'3 speed that we saw coming out of college. Get the ball to Gibby, man. Get the ball to Gibby. He did out-touch Brian Robinson today, 14-8. So that was contrast to what we've seen since Brian Robinson has been taken off IR since he made his return. And I think a lot of that had to do with the game script and things like that. But as I said, it was a, it was a full-team effort. Speaking of it really quickly, because I was talking about chain movers when I was talking about Curtis Samuel. And I was always of the belief that J.D. McKissick was a chain mover. I'm not so sure I can hold him to that to that standard right now. And if you guys are listening to this, let me know in the comments. Is it me or is J.D. McKissick just nowhere near exp as explosive as he was last season? Now, I know he's not getting the opportunities. I know he's not getting the touches. But if you look at even when he does catch the ball, he doesn't have the, 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 the firecracker feet that I saw from him last, last season. I think it was right before the two-minute drill. He caught a pass in the flat, and he just completely read the block wrong. He didn't even try to cut up the um, the um, blocker's backside. And it just looked like he was just lost as a ball carrier. And it seems like that's been the case all season. He's been tripping up over his feet all season. I'm not sure what's going on with J.D. McKissick. I don't know if he's regretting the fact that he didn't sign with Buffalo or he reneged on the fact that he signed with Buffalo. He didn't sign with Buffalo. I'm not sure. And like I said, fans, I'm the, I'm the president of the J.D. McKissick fan club. So anything that you're really saying to me, like, stop. Stop. But my eyes aren't deceiving me. He doesn't nearly have, he doesn't have nearly the same explosion that I've seen him display over the course of the last two seasons. I mentioned this on Twitter, and somebody said that they think that that hit against Seattle uh, took a lot out of him, and that may very well be true. That neck injury, that's a scary. That's very scary. But it was just something that I just wanted to, to point out. 
It was just something that I wanted to point out. The offensive line didn't play great, didn't play horrible. Notice I'm 15 minutes into this episode, just like last week, and I'm not screaming about the offensive line. That's not a coincidence. Taylor Heineke has the capability of making your offensive line better than what they are with his legs. As I mentioned, he had 29 yards scrambling. Carson Wentz couldn't get 29 yards scrambling in his dreams at this point. This defense, man. This defense. This defense. Now, I know they were going against Sam Ellinger, but I think a lot of guys, a lot of you guys or a lot of casuals are undermining how hard it is to game plan for a guy that we've never seen have a snap in the NFL. That means you basically game planning on, on concepts from the Indianapolis Colts playbook on what they just normally do, and you're going off some college film that you see from them. That's very difficult. That's going against the unknown. And we held Sam Ellinger under 200 yards. Which is damn good in the modern NFL. Jonathan Taylor had a few big runs, but guess what? When he did, he got smacked in the mouth. Derrick Ford smacked him in the mouth, forced the fumble, all ball. Deron Payne smacked, smacked Sam Ellinger in the mouth, sack fumble, all ball. We forced two turnovers today. Doubling the amount that we had on the season. We went from two to four, just like that, for the defense. Jack Del Rio is really turning things turning things around, man. Y'all know I'm the biggest believer in letting my apologies be as loud as my disrespect. And I think that we have a long enough sample size because, honestly, the defense has been improved since the Detroit game. The defense has been good enough to win you games from Philly on. From Philly on. Now we haven't won all of these games because the offense hasn't been up the park, but the defense has been good enough. Jonathan Allen continues to play like a man possessed. I'm here to say, if Jonathan Allen doesn't get all pro recognition this year, it's fucking criminal. Jonathan Allen is playing better than Aaron Donald this year. The only other defensive tackle that's in the, in the running for playing as good as Jonathan Allen this year is Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans. The only one. <coughs> Excuse me. So I think there's two defensive tackles on each all-pro team. You got four spots. Jonathan Allen better be on it. Jonathan Allen better be on it. This man is playing like a man possessed week in and week out. He was whipping Quentin Nelson's ass today. Who y'all just be giving all pros to. Y'all just been giving it to him since he was a rookie. Jonathan Allen was fucking Quentin Nelson up all game. Jamin Davis held it down as the only linebacker on the field for majority of the game. I told y'all that in preseason. Stop being so quick to bash people. He was turning it around. If you couldn't see that in the preseason, you don't know football. Because guess what? Outside of Terry McLaurin's catch at the one-yard line, Jamin Davis' tackle for loss in the fourth quarter 
to hold Indianapolis to a field goal was the second biggest play of the game. And just to harp on that just a little bit longer, our go-to-go and our short yardage defense is elite. It's elite. It seems like we almost get every stop on short yardage on short yard um, situations or go-to-go situations. Going back to the Chicago game. We gave Derrick Henry all he could handle in short yardage situations. And we stopped the Colts a couple times in the red zone today. A couple times. That just shows that this team isn't quitting. That just shows you this team isn't quitting no matter what we believe over here in the fan base. Last couple of things that I really want to touch on before I head out of here, man, because this was an amazing win. This was an amazing win. I'm really liking this three-safety look of Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, and Derek Forrest. Derek Forrest is a player, man. Cam Curl does what he does. Laid a big hit today. Cam Curl might be the third, one of the top four, top three players on this defense. Such a, such a steal to find in the seventh round. You gave him the confidence to wear the green dot today. We're talking about a seventh rounder that's still on his rookie contract. DB calling the plays. Cam Curl's one of the best players on his roster, if you didn't know so, guys. Guys are showing up. Guys are showing up. Now we got a big test. We finally have 500. Now the goal is to get over 500, and that boy is coming to town. That boy, mister, you like that? How you like me now? The old son of Washington. Mr. Irk the Kirk Cousins coming back. And guess what? I'm going to be in the stands with my 20 friends. I'm going to be in the suite with my 20 friends. Excuse me. This was the game where I was awarded the sweet experience for winning that kick um, competition last, um, last year. My real day one bleeding burgundy, bleeding burgundy, bleeding B&G fans know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's exciting times, man. We're on a three-game win streak. That's nothing to scoff at in the NFL. That's nothing to scoff at in the NFL. Now, we're going to keep riding this positive momentum. Are we going to keep running on the treadmill of mediocrity throughout this season and into the offseason? Which relates into a domino effect that we've been seeing year in and year out for over two decades. But, hey, as of right now, I'm going to be proud of the fact that I got a dog like Terry McLaurin on my team. I'm going to be a little excited that Chase Young and Jahan Dyson might be back next week. In the black jerseys, what an opportunity to go over 500. Hey, man, it might not be pretty, but you'll take any win you can get in the NFL. So that'll do it for this episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As I always say, if you don't follow us on social media, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now, really, what are you doing? So let's go ahead. Let's take out our pen. Let's take out our paper. Let's go ahead and jot these social medias down real quick. 
Our Instagram is at BleedingBNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. Our Twitter, our handle is spelled a tad bit different. There's only one G in our Twitter handle. That was B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. Like, really, what are you doing? If you're not following, what are you doing? We post daily on there. We have daily conversation. We love chopping it up with the Washington Commander community. This is what we love to do. We love pushing out content. And if the Washington Commanders keep giving us effort, man, we're going to keep showing out for you guys. So as I said before, let's, um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, be sure to like, be sure to comment, be sure to subscribe. Let's finesse these algorithms. If you're listening on this to po- on podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please, please, please leave a rating. Please leave a review. That's how you finesse those algorithms over there. I want Bleeding B&G to be the number one content hub that should come up whenever you search anything watching the Commanders. We're on the go to 1K on YouTube. So if you're checking this out, please be sure to subscribe. Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. I'll check in on you guys on the next one. Peace.